Don't forget to win week one. Don't forget to win week one. When putting together projections, we look at 16 games. And sure, we put an emphasis on the early season games. First six to eight weeks. That's why we're not drafting Kareem Hunt. But when the helicopter drops you off in that jungle, you just need to survive and advance to the next sector. And that means winning week one. You can't emphasize winning week one enough. Look at that week one schedule. Study it. Figure out which players have the best schedules. Think about who you would want to play in DFS and nudge those guys up your board. Just a little nudge, just a a slight preference to those players. As I mentioned, I'm in this Friends of Roto World draft. It's a slow draft. We started over a week ago. As you know, I selected T.Y. Hilton in the second round and Marlon Mack in the third round before the Andrew Luck retirement was announced. That's how slow drafts work. And I still don't have a quarterback. I will be selecting my quarterback in the final round of the draft, and his name is Jimmy Garoppolo. I just wish I could stack Garoppolo with George Kittle. Do anything for a time machine to go back to that second round pick and push the button on George Kittle. George Kittle, who set the NFL record for tight end receiving yards in a season last year. George Kittle is a no-doubter, and he's not at risk of a deteriorated body suppressing his production like we saw with Rob Gronkowski last season. George Kittle has a similar ADP this offseason to Rob Gronkowski last season. But George Kittle is about to turn 26. He is in his super prime, and he has all the juice you would want in the legs of your tight end. 127.3, 89th percentile burst score, and he has the best agility score we've seen for a tight end. He's 250 pounds, and he posted a 1083 agility score. Sub 110 agility for a 250 pound man is fucking unheard of. His anemic college production was not enough to push him to the fifth round. What an exceptional value San Francisco was awarded in the fifth round a couple years back. And George Kittle is the personification of Dominator rating. Because while he was not a prolific producer at Iowa, because Iowa didn't run many plays, and when they did, they weren't effective. George Kittle suffering under the tyranny of bad coaching and bad quarterback play at Iowa. And yet Dominator rating puts the proper context around college production to illuminate just how good George Kittle played at Iowa, something the counting stats alone did not reveal. 23.2% dominator rating, 72nd percentile. Player profiler exists to surface players like George Kittle. And I don't think George Kittle can repeat 1,300-yard season from last year. No way. 857 yards after the catch. <laughs> like That was unprecedented and impossible to replicate. Want to know how I know? Juju Smith-Schuster was number one among wide receivers in yards after the catch with 587. George Kittle was more than 250 yards more than that. So if you're looking for George Kittle to repeat his yardage production from last season, it's not going to happen. But that's okay. If he gives us 1,100 yards, that's just fine. With Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, he's likely to score more than five touchdowns, so he will offset less yards with more touchdowns. George Kittle is as close to a no-doubter as it gets, especially 
in the late second, early third round of fantasy drafts when so many players come with risk factors. You should draft him right at his value over stream. His value over stream is inside the top 20. And what is value over stream? We look at the fantasy points per game scored by a player at a particular position above and beyond the average player available on the waiver wire. And George Kittle was not a top 20 overall producer in fantasy football last year. But when you compared his production to the replacement level tight end, he was easily top 20. Now, our value over stream is more sophisticated than most value-based metrics in that we also factor in positional bust rates and fragility ratings. Tight end is a bust-tastic position, and it's the most fragile position on the football field. The average tight end is more at risk of injury than any other player, because when they're not running a route over the middle and absorbing violent collisions with most every target they receive, they're blocking edge rushers, linebackers, and safeties on run plays. A tight end can get rolled up on at any moment because they are operating within this swirl of violence in a way that wide receivers and quarterbacks specifically do not. So that's why, historically, I have stayed away from tight ends in fantasy football because the position is inherently fragile. But with Travis Kelsey in the late first and with George Kittle in the late second, it just makes too much sense. The strategic advantage you get from capturing more than 15 fantasy points per game from these players at these positions outweighs the risk factors. It's taken me all summer to get to this place. And I've come full circle. Because before I started playerprofiler.com, I submitted an application to participate in ESPN's Fantasy Island Contest, where the winner would become a fantasy analyst on ESPN.com. And my article was titled, Why Rob Gronkowski Should Be the First Overall Pick in Fantasy Football. The first overall pick! I went from touting Rob Gronkowski as the 101 to passing on George Kittle in favor of T.Y. Hilton. That happened, but I'm back. I have returned. The prodigal son has returned to team tight end and returned to the good graces of ESPN because today we are joined by none other than Matthew Berry. That's right. We are honored to have the global face and voice of fantasy football on the Roto Underworld program. It's a big day. I rarely post anything on Facebook that's not a picture of my daughter, but this time, Matthew Barry on my podcast, oh yeah, we're going to Facebook, baby! Before I go to Facebook, I'm going to pollsports.com to search for George Kittle-related polls. Would you feel comfortable drafting George Kittle in the mid to late second round? The answer should be yes to these polls. And you should be going to pollsports.com before the season even starts. Who do I start? Who wins this trade? You don't need to ask me because you know I don't care about your fantasy team. But the beauty is Poll Sports has cultivated a community of people that enjoy providing feedback about players, about possible transactions, and about team preferences to help you decide what to do. When you have a dilemma, leverage PollSports.com because each vote is weighted based on credibility scores. I talked to J.J. Zacharyson on the last show about a not-too-distant future where we all have social scores when interacting on social media. 
Well, poll sports is already ahead of that curve. And after you post a poll, votes and advice come in instantaneously. And it can be tailored to your specific league settings. And if you're considering trading for a player or moving a player up your world-famous, in quotes, draft kit cheat sheet like we did with George Kittle, just go to Poll Sports and type in George Kittle. Or type in Jimmy Garoppolo. You might need spelling help with the Jimmy Garoppolo last name. It is G-A-R-O-P-P-O-L-O. So let me get this straight. Jimmy Garoppolo's name is a combination of pee and YOLO. And Jimmy Garoppolo is operating as if his pee-pee only lives once. Going out with porn stars, throwing for over 300 yards. He's doing a great job. Let me just turn the clock back to 2017. Jimmy Garoppolo lands in San Francisco International Airport, puts up 300 yards against Chicago, 330 yards against Houston, 381 yards against Tennessee, 250 yards against Jacksonville, another 300 yards against the Rams. Now, not many more touchdowns than interceptions, but touchdowns count a lot more than interceptions in fantasy football, and that's what we care about. And we care about winning week one. You want to start 1-0 in fantasy football. And in week one, the 49ers play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So in the final round of the Friends of Roto World draft, I plan to select Jimmy Garoppolo. I want a piece of that package. Fantasy points. The, the, the fantasy points stack there. That, that, that's, that's, that's what I meant. And Matthew Barry has put together one unified portal to access an unprecedented amount of fantasy football-related information. It's the Rotopass. You know about the Fantasy Life app. It's one of the highest-rated fantasy content apps in the App Store. And Rotopass.com aggregates information from Rotowire, Football Guys, Roster Watch, Rotoviz, Football Outsiders, all into one place. And use the promo code UNDER to get 10% off on your Rotopass today. Now it is time to talk to a legend, a literal Hall of Famer. Matthew Barry is on the program. Let's hear what he has to say and be sure to follow him at Matthew Barry TMR on Twitter. Welcome to the Roto Underworld Radio program. Mom, I hope you're listening. You'll never guess who we have on the show today. Today, we are talking to ESPN's Matthew Barry. God of fantasy football. He's the man. Matthew Barry. Talk to me. Well, first off, I appreciate that. Thank you for the enthusiasm, Matt. Pleasure to do it. I, uh, I enjoy your content on Twitter quite a bit. Uh, I enjoy following you. So uh, it's fun that we're finally actually getting to talk. Just to clarify one thing. So I am ESPN's Senior Fantasy Analyst, which is my title, whatever, for the Disney Bean Counters. But I do not run our fantasy business. You know, there was a brief moment of time where I, I had a lot of influence, but, um, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just a pretty face, uh, using that term very loosely. Yes, yes. We have people at the company that run our fantasy business, that run, that run the TV version, that we, have, we actually have multiple people that run our fantasy business. We have, we have a division that runs our, our games, you know, so like if you play fantasy football on ESPN.com or, or on our app um, or any of our fantasy games, we'll get in a plug there for the free ESPN fantasy app. Download it today. Um, we have a division that does that, and there's somebody in charge of that. There's a, somebody who's in charge of the digital content. So if you, like, read my column or, you know, Mike Clay or Field Yates or Stefania Bell or any of the stuff that we write, 
or our rankings or anything like that. There's somebody in charge of that whole sort of division, our, di- our digital content. And then there's another person uh, that I actually report to that runs, uh, you know, that runs the fantasy show on ESPN+, Plus, that runs Fantasy Football Now, that runs sort of the TV fantasy uh, part of our company. So um, uh, a, lot of, a lot of chefs in the kitchen, as it were, a lot of people, and none of them are me. So I'm just, uh, I'm just a talking head. I'm just a pretty face. It's nice to bring that up sometimes and let people know that, hey, this is a big operation. Like at Player Profile, we've got a lot of people bringing data together, making sure that this engine is chugging down the tracks and that yep. I can look good and sound good. It's a collective effort. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, there are literally hundreds of people at ESPN that work very hard every day on, on all of the things that, you know, touch our fans in fantasy so um uh yeah so and i i would hate to take credit for any of their hard work so this brings us to the the family that is the indianapolis colts organization yep there's a lot of players on that team 53 active as of week one but there is one player (laughs) there's one player that is now missing who had relative importance when the news broke, where were you? What were you thinking? I was literally on the dance floor in another country at a friend's wedding. Wow. That's where I was. I'm literally in another country, and let's get in a plug. So I got an alert. So I have this thing called the Fantasy Life app, and it's a 100% free app, it, uh, and we absolutely crush on the alerts. Like if you go to the app store and, and just look, it's like a, we're at 4.85 stars out of five, and if you just read the reviews, everyone talks about how much our alerts are so fast, and we just crush everyone with that. And so uh, I'm looking at the icon on my phone right now. Yeah, I appreciate that. So it, 100% free app, you should download it today. Make yourself better. If you hate it, listen, it's a free app. You can delete it, whatever. It doesn't cost anything, but fantasylifeapp.com. That's what I say. Yeah, if you don't like it, you can delete it. Yeah, just delete it if you don't like it. I'm just, but try it out. It's a free app. What do you have to lose? I promise you it'll make you a better fantasy player. Right. But anyway, so I got, a, um, I got an alert. So Adam Schefter broke the news, and literally like less than 10 seconds after Schefter broke the news, I got the alert. I, didn't, I don't get an alert from when Schefter tweets, you know, because sometimes he tweets stuff that isn't relevant to me. The Fantasy Life alert went off, and I'm like, oh, what happened? And I'm like, holy crap! Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I literally, like, I was like, oh, God, did we, meaning the Fantasy Life app, did we mess this up? Like, was it Adnarn, you know, Adnarn Schefter, you know, whatever, one of those parody accounts? Yes. Did we somehow get fooled? And so I immediately went to Adam's Twitter account, you know, his verified Twitter account, and sure enough, Andrew Luck retired. And I'm just like, whoa. <clears throat> and so, I mean, it's literally like, you know, probably the biggest story in fantasy football in the last decade. Yes. The last 20 years. I mean, it's hard to figure out how to really fathom where to rank it. But it's like, you know, it's just a, it's a massive story when you think about a guy that's, you know, when healthy, a top five player at his position. A lot of people had him like his QB three um, this year. I saw some places where I had him QB two. You got to go back to what, Michael Vick getting arrested? But it's what's weird is, is that I think that, that was a big story as well, but that I feel like that happened in the off season, right? And I felt like the thing about the dogs, like it was sort of a slow burn because like they discover the whole thing with the dogs, and then like there was an investigation, and then all of a sudden it comes up, and it's in, there at least was some inkling that uh oh something might be coming down the pike there. With Andrew Luck, it's just like 
he's 29. Yeah. You know, he's in the prime of his career. He's a guy that, you know, came off a massive season. The, the Colts are Super Bowl favorites. And it's just a little bone issue. Just a little bone issue. Right. Everyone's just like, he, they're optimistic he'll be there for week one. Um, you know, they were like, hey, he's not going to play the preseason, but we're, you know, we're, there's growing optimism, I think was one tweet, you know, that, right. um, that you know, Mort, and I mean, trust me when I tell you, Mort knows everyone in the league, so that's not, you know, hearsay. Like, I literally believe whenever he tweeted that, he had talked to somebody very high up at the Colts that had told him, yeah, we feel pretty good about the fact that Andrew's going to be there week one. And then this just sort of, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, nowhere, but it did feel like it came out of nowhere. And then to, so a player that that's prominent, you know, high in our fantasy ranks, a week and a half before the season starts, for a good team that still do, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, like, it was shocking, and I've had a few, I'm on the dance floor. So listen, if I'm on the dance floor, Matt, at a wedding, I've clearly had a few at that point, because I'm not a natural, like, oh, there's a dance floor, let me go dance. So I'm on the dance, so I immediately, like, okay, uh, I got to, you know, react to this. Oh, my God. And so I'm trying to find a quiet place. The, it, the, the Wi-Fi is not great. We're in this other country. Uh, I'm in, you know, I'm in this, like, in this rooftop um, bar area uh, where the reception is. Sounds gorgeous. Oh, it, the whole thing was gorgeous, but I'm just like, my wife is like, what are you doing? And I'm like, Andrew Luck retired. I, I got to deal with this. Hold on. And so I'm immediately like, you know, especially because it's, it's during a massive, it's, one, it's probably either the first or second biggest draft weekend of the year. Right. And so I'm immediately like, I'm texting in my rankings changes. This is where I got ranked to Brissett. Here's where I'm lowering Hilton. This is what I'm doing with Mac, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I, you know, I recorded. If you're, in, if anyone's interested, you can go to my Twitter. You can go to my Instagram at Matthew Barry TMR, and you can find a slightly buzzed, but I think pretty good for off the top of my head, two minute analysis on both Andrew Luck and Lamar Miller, which had happened like you know 45 minutes earlier. Yeah, bang bang. Yeah. So that, my reaction was holy crap, and like you know, wow. And then, of course, because, uh, because I'm a selfish fantasy player, I immediately did a mental Rolodex, like, okay, wait, nope, I actually don't have very much luck, uh, you know, I don't have very much Andrew Luck exposure in any of my drafts so far this year in terms of any of the best balls that I've done or any of the, um, you know, other drafts that I've already done so far. So I, because I tend to wait on quarterback and just for whatever reason, I, I think I had luck in one best ball team and that's it. Like, so I was like, oh, okay, good. So... And I actually have Jacoby Brissett in the Dynasty League. So well, you know. I have a Jacoby Brissett in a bunch of 2QB and Superflex Dynasty Leagues. Yep. But I also have Marlon Mack in a lot of places. And Marlon Mack necessarily takes a hit if this offense won't be scoring as many points. When you compare the Hilton hit versus the Mack hit, where are you at? I think the Hilton hit is less. So, real quickly. That's right. You and I, may, I think it sounds like you, guys, you and I are on the same page. But real quickly, before we move off it. I think I feel like it's a somewhat controversial take because I've seen a lot of people on Twitter that do what you and I do, that analyze fantasy for a living, um, kind of dump all over Jacoby Brissett. And I, I actually, I think Jacoby Brissett's going to be pretty good. Like, is he going to be Andrew Luck? Obviously not. No. Is this offense going to be a downgrade? Of course. But I think of all the backups in the NFL, Jacoby Brissett is one of, if not the best. And you mentioned you have him in a bunch of two QB super flex dynasty league. Same. I drafted him. I did a couple of different dynasty startups this year, and I have him in, in dynasty superflex startups this year. 
and I have to present in all of them. Yes. And I picked him because, listen, I know he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, and I thought, like, hey, maybe there's a chance he goes to New England, or I think, there's, I think he's a starting quarterback in the NFL next year. Obviously didn't expect this. He's mobile Nick Foles. That's right. I think that's a good call. And so then you think about, okay, mobile Nick Foles. Right. Right, but with one of the best offensive lines in football, a really good head coach and play caller, a lot of skilled players around him. I know everyone wants to point out 2017, but people forget, like, he was a New England Patriot up until, like, Labor Day of 2017. That's right. He gets traded at the very end of the preseason, and so, like, I think he starts the second or third week. I want to say the second week. I mean, like, he's, like, he's learning it on the fly. He's learning a whole new system on the fly. And, by the way, I don't think the, the offense was as good back then. The, the line certainly wasn't as good. Didn't love the play calling for the Colts. So he's now been in the same system now for a couple of years, right? He's obviously been under in Frank's system for at least a year. And so, again, better offensive line, more comfortable in the system, better skilled position players around him. And they'll now, there's going to be some growing planes here, but they will adjust the offense to what Jacoby Brissett does well and so you mentioned the the rushing ability right so there's you know there's some mobility there that as far as we care for fantasy uh helps him helps Brissett. but more importantly i just don't think that hilton and mac drop as much as i think other people do let's go back in time 2017 was week one this has no fantasy relevance this is just interesting to note that week scott tolzine started Went 9 for 18 for 128, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and four sacks. Frank Gore and Marlon Mack split the carries okay. with Robert Turbin mixed in. <laughs> Robert Turbin. It was T.Y. Hilton, Dante Moncrief, and Jack Doyle in the passing game. Their third receiver was Kamar Aiken. Their fourth receiver was Matt Hazel. Their fifth receiver was Quan Bray. Okay? Wow, Quan Bray. Okay, yeah. That was the roster that Jacoby Brissett had to work with, and he was thrust into the game at the end of a 46-9 to blowout. Yep. So they kicked off the season losing 46-9 to with that weaponry and one of the worst offensive lines in football. The thing that made Andrew Luck retire, that offensive line? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what Jacoby Brissett enjoyed in 2017. We have no idea what he is. I'm excited to see what he is. Coming out of college, we knew he had a pretty deep ball. Yep. That was for sure. And that's going to be T.Y. Hilton's role. He is a field stretcher plus in that offense with Paris Campbell in and around the line of scrimmage, Devin Funchess on those intermediate outside routes. But I'm not panicking about T.Y. Hilton. Like His demise has been overblown for sure. With Marlon Mack, it is a concern that they're going to call less plays they're going to score less points, less red zone visits, and the upside has been vaporized for Marlon Mack because he had RB1 upside, right? He could finish top five in the league in touchdowns yep. in an Andrew Luck offense. With that off the table, he's not that interesting in the third and fourth round anymore. Falls to the fifth round. I'd rather have a guy like Sony Michelle at this point now, wouldn't you? I think that's fair. So Marlon Mack's currently going 22 now. He's going as running back 22. He's going in the sixth round. On ESPN.com. He's going in the same round as James White and Sonny Michelle. They're already overcorrecting. They're already overcorrecting. Quickly on Hilton, with Andrew Luck, he was targeted on over 25% of his routes, but with Jacoby Brissett, he was targeted on 20% of his routes. He averaged 1.71 fantasy points per target with Jacoby Brissett, 1.76 fantasy points per target with Andrew Luck. And again, this is 2017 Jacoby Brissett, 
with, you know, running for his life and, you know, just having been thrust into it. 24 years old. Yeah, I mean, I, so I just, yeah, I dropped Hilton a few spots. He's now my wide receiver 17. I want to say I had him at 13, 12 or 13 prior to this. So I dropped him four or five spots. Um, but I think he's still very much a legit wide receiver, too. Yes. I think he's still going to command a massive target share. Are they going to be as good an offense without Andrew Luck? Of course they're not. But I don't think the bottom is falling out. I don't all of a sudden think, you know, like, I still think they have a shot at the AFC uh, at, the ti- at the division title, right? Whoa, really? Don't you think? I'm not convinced on Houston. Like, are you? Well, the offensive line in Houston is a lot worse. Exactly. And the Tennessee Titans are the Tennessee Titans. They are the most vanilla franchise. It's the least exciting franchise in the NFL, the Tennessee Titans. You can't think of one thing to get excited about when you close your eyes. 100%. The Jacksonville Jaguars are interesting with John DeFilippo as the offensive coordinator and a massive upgrade at quarterback. Yep. If their defense can revert back to what they were two years ago, then it looks like it's probably going to be Jacksonville. But... I just laid out a bunch of ifs. Well, that's exactly my point. Listen, I don't know that they win the division, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they don't, is my point. Like, if, I, right. you know, if, if I'm forced to, at gunpoint to pick a division winner in that, in that division, Houston. I'm probably still taking the Texans. Yeah. And certainly wouldn't shock you if the, if the Jaguars do it. But I'm just saying, like, I don't think it's a, a case where you're just like, I think prior to Andrew Luck retiring, you're like, Colts are winning this division. But now you're like, eh, you know, might be the Texans, might be the Jaguars, but wouldn't be crazy if the Colts do it because again, they um, I think they're going to have a pretty good defense this year, uh, and you know again they they've got some they've got talent at pretty much every position. Chris Ballard also knows what he's doing, correct? And if he didn't think they had a shot, he'd be shopping T. Y. Hilton, and we'd know about it. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing is it's like so. Ebron and Doyle, I think, are both free agents at the end of this year. As is Brissett. Hilton is a free agent after 2020. So there's like a, you know, I've seen some people saying like they should just you know sell the farm and tank for Tua. No. I mean, if you saw Ballard's press conference, like that is not what they are doing. No. And so, and I agree with you. I think Ballard's one of the best GMs in the NFL. Um, the other, the other piece here that that's sort of interesting, and this sort of brings us back to to Marlon Mack, is that I hear what you're saying, and would I prefer Sonny Michelle? Sure, but. I don't know that the bottom drops out as much on Marlon Mack as we think, because are they going to be a less efficient offense? Sure. Are they going to score less? Of course. But couldn't you make the argument that maybe they lean on Marlon Mack a little bit more because of that, that they try to run the ball a little bit more, that maybe they say, hey, we're not going to be as explosive an offense with Brissett uh, instead of Luck, so maybe we just try to play good defense and run the ball a little bit more, be a little bit more conservative, um, you know, do some bootlegs with Brissett, try to use his legs as well. And obviously, a lot of times when you have a mobile quarterback, that helps the running game. We've seen this a number of times. That's right. The Alfred Morris corollary. Bingo. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I'm just, I don't know. I mean, again, like I have Marlon Mack just inside my top 20. I do have Sony Michelle higher than him. But yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not as out on Marlon Mack as others. You and I are on the same page in terms of like, I think sixth round is about right for where Marlon Mack's going. We're looking for markers in the sand. Yeah. On these players. And my marker in the sand for Marlon Mack is Sony Michelle. You can't have Marlon Mack ahead of Sony Michelle because these are both game script dependent players. And now it looks like the Colts will be losing in more games than the Patriots are losing. That's for sure. And if you go back in time, you see that when the Colts are down, then Naheem Hines gets more carries, gets more touches. Same thing in New England with James White. Right. That's a good comp when you're trying to make sense of your rankings and the ADPs. 
make sense of where you can get these players at value versus overpaying. And with T.Y. Hilton, my marker in the sand is Kenny Galladay because he's Kenny Galladay now. This offense will be similar to the Detroit Lions offense. Detroit Lions, a low-volume, slow-paced offense that no one projects to score a lot of points. But we like Kenny Galladay because he's the number one option. He's explosive, and he makes big plays down the field. Sure. Well, that's T.Y. Hilton, except T.Y. Hilton is more proven. So you can push him down, just can't push him past Galladay. That's right. So I have Hilton ahead of Galladay in my ranks. As you should. So, uh, yes, we agree there as well. Yeah, I'm nervous about the whole Lions offense. Like, Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm super nervous. I have Galladay at 21. I'm nervous about the whole NFC North, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's another division that's like could go a lot of different ways, right? I mean, the Vikings could rebound in a big way. I mean, I feel like anyone but the Lions. Right? And then watch the Lions just crush. But I feel like the Packers, you know... Wide range of outcomes for the Packers, wide range of outcomes for the uh, for the Vikings there, and of course the Bears. You know, can they? You know, can their defense? You know, same thing. Like Trubisky, if you depending on who you talk to, Trubisky's either going to have a monster year or he's just been a complete disaster, and they don't know what they're doing in Chicago. And he was a super volatile quarterback last year. He was the most volatile quarterback in fantasy football last year. Yeah. No quarterback showed up in more millionaire maker lineups last year than Mitchell Trubisky. Interesting. And yet, Mitchell Trubisky is not a QB1 because he had all these other weeks where he killed your lineup. Yes. Very inconsistent here. I'm trying to figure out, like, in terms of Galladay, sort of interesting, right? But, like, I'm so nervous about them. Like, so this is, I have him at 21. I have him at at wide receiver 21. I don't know where you have Galladay. And I would love to get him a slightly higher because I think he's a phenomenally talented player. I can't figure out who to who to move down. I can't figure out where to get him. You don't, because you're fantasy wanting at that point. You like the player, and you're looking for reasons, confirmation bias-driven reasons to push him up. Yep. When the fundamentals suggest you have him where he should be, because when you look at other guys on this list, I'm sure you have Stephon Diggs ahead of him and Amari Cooper. Yep. For example, take a guy like Tyler Lockett. We now have Tyler Lockett moved ahead of Kenny Galladay. Same. I have, I have Lockett at 20. I have Galladay at 21. That's right. Because if you think about their roles and the offenses that they're operating in, I think when you move Lockett outside, I don't think he's going to move into the slot because DK Metcalf's hurt. I think they move him all over. They're going to move him all around the field just like they move T.Y. Hilton all around the field. So they're going to use yeah. Lockett similar to Hilton. And now the volume comes down in Indianapolis. Maybe not down as far as the pass volume you're seeing in Seattle. Seattle and Detroit are both run-first offenses, but Tyler Lockett has less competition for targets than Kenny Galladay. It's just that simple. Tyler Lockett has less competition for targets than anyone else. If there was a Marvin Jones in Seattle, we'd have Tyler Lockett below Kenny Galladay, but there is no Marvin Jones in Seattle. That's right. I mean, there's no one. In, I mean, it's like it's like there's nobody. Will Disley. It's not even a tight end. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, who do they have? They got, I mean, you know, excited about, you know, Gary Jennings Jr.? Like, I mean, like, seriously. Like, I mean, it's just... They're going to make Chris Carson catch 50-plus passes because they have nobody else. It's like Carlos Hyde a couple of years ago in San Francisco. The receiving core, that cupboard was bare. So Carlos Hyde had to go out and finish top five in the league in targets among running backs. Right. 
that could happen with a Chris Carson, given there's no one else, and they just have to call screenplays. Love Chris Carson this year, and I think Rashad Penny. Like, I mean, again, like Mike Davis had 146 touches last year. Like, I think there's a chance that Rashad Penny has a really big year this year, and it doesn't at all eat into what Chris Carson does. Like, they could just, you know, to your point, because they just don't have anyone at the moment. Right. Like, they're just, they're, they're, uh, they're hoping, they're hoping some, some people will emerge, and like... They call a lot of run plays, and they're also going to call a lot of running back pass plays. So, you have to necessarily like the top two running backs on that team. Yeah. This is just the math that we're doing. Just because the offense isn't prolific in terms of high volume doesn't always mean you stay completely away. Some of these offenses, yeah, you're not interested in drafting anyone on Washington unless Darius Geist, his ADP just collapses and get him like in the eighth round. Listen, I'm a Redskins homer, so I like, I like Darius Geist. He's great. I'm thinking about Seattle, but it's Jerron Brown. I've always sort of been obsessed with Jerron Brown. I always felt like he never got much of a real shot. It's so unfair what happened to Jerron Brown. Imagine going to college and you walk into the wide receiver room and it's Martavis Bryant, Sammy Watkins, and DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. I mean, just insanity. You just slap your forehead. Yeah. Like, I should have gone to literally any other college. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I've always, I've always felt like when Jerron Brown gets got some run like he would produce it just sort of bounced around whether it's you know dallas or arizona or you know now seattle but i guess he's going to be the starter opposite locket to start the season but but yeah i mean you're not you know whether it's whatever jazz ferguson or gary jennings or you know this is you know whatever if the offense is low volume i want the opportunities as consolidated as possible correct and that's what we see in seattle you don't necessarily see that in detroit because oh they want to get tj hawkinson involved and Jesse James and, and Amendola, I think Amendola is going to be... Amendola is going to be a factor. Not from a fantasy perspective, but I think Amendola, as long as he's healthy, will be a little bit of a factor. Same thing in Denver. That's going to be a low-volume offense, but they want to get Deshaun Hamilton involved. And Emmanuel Sanders looks healthy. And Cortland Sutton is ascending. And they have two running backs that are going to command significant opportunity shares. Like, okay, well, that's not consolidated, man. Yeah, no. 100%. We talked about the running backs. We talked about Marlon Mack. Where do you have him vis-a-vis Duke Johnson post the seismic news events that happened last weekend? So I have Marlon Mack still, you know, pretty pretty far above Duke Johnson. So I have Marlon Mack. I have him, I think, at, uh, like, running back 20, actually. Like, I think 19, 20, something like that. I don't have my rankings in front of me or memorized, but it's probably, like, probably, like I said, I think it's 19 or 20. Probably 20 is my guess. And I think I have Duke Johnson at 28. I'm still not 100% convinced. Like, if we were having this conversation in a week, I'd be okay. But, like, I'm still not 100% convinced that they go into the season with their current roster of running backs. That one of the reasons they, they, they traded for Duke Johnson for a couple of reasons. One is they wanted a pass catcher. Lamar Miller has never been somebody that's been great in the, in, uh, in the pass catching role as a running back. He's never been super dynamic there. And they also wanted some depth behind Lamar Miller. Well, now they've now they need depth behind Duke Johnson, right? And like they, they're not super inspired by who they have uh, in the backfield behind Duke Johnson. And even though Duke Johnson, you know, wasn't every down back at Miami in college, the pros don't seem to think of him that way, right? Right. The pros don't seem to think of him that way. And so I'm not convinced that the Texans do, or that the Texans traded him for that. The Texans also have... Super Bowl aspirations this year, legitimate ones. And so I feel like whether it's a, may not be a great situation for fantasy, but like 
I'm making it up here, but like if Carlos Hyde doesn't make the Chiefs, do they sign Carlos Hyde? Or, you know, there were some rumors out there about Jay Ajayi, you know, or something like that. Some of these other running backs, do they, do they call Washington and, and you, know, you know, get Adrian Peterson for a year or something like that? You know, I feel like the leading rusher of the Houston Texans may not be on their roster at the moment for this year. And so my concern about that, if, if we're talking a week from now and they haven't, all the cuts have gone through and they haven't signed anyone, then I feel better about Duke Johnson. But at the moment, I'm still a little nervous, and I still think it's going to be a pass-first offense. You know who the primary rusher at North Carolina was for a period of time? Uh, no. Giovanni Bernard. Oh, there you go. Yeah, sure, of course. Giovanni Bernard was the bell cow at UNC, and when he came to the NFL, Hugh Jackson didn't think so. Right. Duke Johnson and Giovanni Bernard are best comparable to one another on playerprofiler.com based on both the college metrics and the workout metrics. And when Duke Johnson arrived, Hugh Jackson shook his head. And Giovanni Bernard has yet to become a primary back, and same with Duke Johnson, and that just could be their fate at the NFL level. The rumor is that the Miami Dolphins are interested in Jadavian Clowney and want to include Kenny Stills and Kenyon Drake in the deal to get Clowney. Right. That would send Drake to Houston, and then that would be a committee. A committee where Duke Johnson is a better back. I think Duke Johnson's skill set is superior. I would agree with that. And these are similar size players, so it could be 60-40. But 60-40 is still 60-40. It's not 70-30. Right now, it's more of a 70-30 projection with Demarie Crockett getting 25% and Karan Higdon getting a few touches. But right now, if we just freeze time, Matthew, this is looking very good for Duke Johnson, a guy with an all-purpose skill set in that offense. And for Deshaun Watson, that he finally has a real dump-off option. Where do you have Duke Johnson ranked? We're pretty bullish on Duke Johnson. When we do our rankings, we just do moment-in-time rankings. So sure, the world as it is now, we have Duke Johnson at 24. All right, whatever. Which is similar to you. You have him at 28. Yep. He's not well inside the RB2 ranks until we see it. Right. I think that David Montgomery needs to be ranked higher because David Montgomery also has an all-purpose skill set, but there's no chance that Chicago adds a running back in the next two weeks. Right. And everything we've seen suggests that he's going to be the primary option and he's going to be successful in all phases. Going all the way back to his time in college, he was doing it all. So those guys that get drafted in the third round tend to do it all in the NFL as well. Montgomery is somebody that I like a lot. I haven't ranked it. Uh, I ranked 21. He's less of a projection than Duke Johnson, as Correct. much as you want to love Duke Johnson in your mind's eye. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. It's like I always say, right, fantasy success comes from two things, really. It's talent and opportunity, right? And so, you know, based on the college tape, look, we know both Duke Johnson and David Montgomery are talented, at least, you know, in terms of what we've seen from them, whether it's college or, you know, college and, and limited time in the pros for Duke. And then it's opportunity, right? And so both guys have opportunity. What we don't know, though, is we feel better about where David Montgomery is going to be in terms of the Bears' offense, in terms of what we're hearing, and them getting rid of Jordan Howard. And, you know, like they don't, they, and, and Matt Nagy saying, you're admitting that he feels like he overused Tariq Cohen last year. So they want to cut him back a little bit. And, you know, Mike Davis is a nice player, but come on, right? So it's going to be, and just, by the way, talking uh, internally to people here at ESPN that that know people who know people and the whole thing. Like, 
Dave Montgomery's going to be the guy yeah. in Chicago, and I don't think I'm going out on a huge limb by telling people that. We just don't know what the Texans have planned for Duke Johnson because they weren't planning on this, right? I mean, they're, we're three or four days away from their bell cow running back tearing his ACL. So it's just it's hard to say. The other thing is, is that Lamar Miller getting the, the amount of work that he has gotten has never been a great fantasy running back. So, I mean, it's a fake bell cow. I call him a fake bell cow. 100% fair. But he is, whatever. I mean, like, he was the main running back for the Texans for a pretty good offense for the last couple of years and just has never been, like, a huge fan. He's always been like, eh, he's fine. Like, he's a flex play. He's a lower-end RB2 that you just sort of start, but you don't feel great about that. And you're hoping he gets into the end zone. And, again, Duke Johnson's pass-catching ability, assuming you play in PPR, you know, is very helpful. Deshaun Watson, since he came to the NFL, um, has the sixth highest completion percentage in terms of passes thrown under 10 yards. Oh, Duke Johnson would certainly help him. You know, like he's been very effective on those short passes since he's come into the NFL. My problem is I don't love satellite backs with mobile quarterbacks. It's like Justice Hill. Sure. I want to like Justice Hill. Justice Hill is exciting, and that's a great running team. Yep. Right? They have Marshall Yanda. One of the best run-blocking offensive lines. You get the Alfred Morris corollary with the mobile quarterback freezing opposing linebackers. But those quarterbacks tend to pull it down and run before they dump it off. So you're not going to get the kind of target volume like you would get on the New Orleans Saints, whether you're Mark Ingram or you're Justice Hill. And that's the issue with Duke Johnson. The issue is that Deshaun Watson is just so fantastic. I love Deshaun Watson because he's the only quarterback that we know is prolific in the run game and through the air. And that's why I believe he's the one guy, if you had to pick a guy, that has the ability to surpass Patrick Mahomes in fantasy. When you look at the skill set and the supporting cast, when we play out what we think the game script is going to be and how the Texans are going to have to score points, when you think about Deshaun Watson's ceiling... oh. He's the guy that you could bet if you had to bet. He's going to go out and get Patrick Mahomes. Yes, I would agree with that. Watson is my number two quarterback. Um, Watson, somebody who's you know, even even last year, at the beginning of last year, still come back from the injury, didn't look great from just from the eye test. Didn't look great as an NFL quarterback. Yeah, not comfortable. But still produced fantasy points because of the rushing, because of the volume, and so and then you know and then became Deshaun Watson over the second half of the year, but. Um, once again. So, yes, I would agree with that. I think I still have Mahomes at one, obviously, but if you ask me, pick a quarterback not named Mahomes that would finish number one, I would think he's got the best chance. Him or Kyler Murray? Oh, throw that out there. I Just in terms of, like, listen, I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not saying it's, it, it's going to happen. Not at all. But is there a chance? There's yeah. absolutely a chance. Like, they, Kyler Murray, I mean, again, I'll just give you this quick fact here. First off, just from a from a forget any numbers or anything like that. I just think Kyler Murray's special. I think Patrick Mahomes is special. I think there's some players in the NFL that are just like that kid's special, and I think Kyler Murray's one of them. Swagger factor. It's like Baker Mayfield last year. He walks into the facility. Yeah. He knows he's good. He knows he belongs. Kyler Murray, same thing. Last year, Kyler Murray became the second player, the second player in FBS history to throw for over 4,000 yards and rush for over 1,000 yards. There's only two players that have ever done it in FBS history. You know the other one was? Deshaun Watson. Oh! (laughs) These are our guys! 
These are our guys. And, by the way, remember what Deshaun Watson did his rookie year. And Patrick Mahomes has this huge lead down the stretch. We have two horses. we got to go catch him. These are our guys. Yeah. In an offense in Arizona that I expect to be very fantasy-friendly, I expect them to be trailing a lot. I expect the offensive line to be crappy, which means they're going to have to be running a lot. Like, the thing that people forget about Kyler Murray, I think everyone, I think people that aren't really doing the work, think Kyler Murray is Lamar Jackson. They're like, yeah, we know he's a crazy athlete. We know he's going to run a lot, but, you know, highly inaccurate and not a great passer and whatever, and it's just kind of a gadget quarterback. And you're like, um, no. Mm-mm. Kyler Murray's accuracy in college as a passer was the same, like almost like less than half a percentage point uh, difference between him and Baker Mayfield the year before. Yeah, those guys got Marquise Brown drafted in the first round. Correct. Like, so Kyler Murray is actually super accurate, yeah. just like Baker Mayfield is. And so my point is, is that, like, we'll see what happens with the wide receivers there. You know, they signed Crabtree, Hakeem Butler out for the year. We'll see what they get out of Isabella. You know, they've got one more year of fits. Christian Kirk's usage in the preseason has been a little weird. Are you worried about that? A little, wor- a little bit. Because I'm a big Christian Kirk enthusiast, and for him not to be playing snaps with Kyler Murray is noteworthy. Correct. That makes I have lowered him a little bit. I'm a little I'm a little nervous on it. In training camp, the skill guys did a sprint drill, mm-hmm. and Andy Isabella runs a four three one four three one at the combine. Okay, and guess who he couldn't beat when the skill guys raced? Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I interviewed Kyler Murray. At the uh, at the NFLPA rookie premiere, and we we aired some of it on uh, on the fantasy show on ESPN Plus. Got to get a plug in. And uh, when we read him his projection, right, and we have him with over a hundred rushing attempts. Like you know, we're, we have a very Mike Clay who does our projections does a great job. Had him, w- was fairly aggressive with him uh, in terms of where he projected him. And so I read him his numbers, and he's just like, "That's low." Like, and it wasn't cocky, and it wasn't like a the way, you know, just in terms of, you know, sort of tone and body language. It was matter of fact. It was matter of fact, like, you know, that's low. You're like, it wasn't cocky, not, not you know, boastful or anything like that. It was just like, it was just like yeah, we think you're going to wear red. He's like, no, I'm wearing blue. You know what I mean? It was literally that. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it was just matter of fact. It's like, oh, that's, that's low. He's like, I can't imagine that. We also told him that we had him for a uh, 22 to 14 touchdown interception ratio. He's like, you think I'm throwing 14 picks? Like, he was annoyed by that one. Well, wait, he went to the picks, not the touchdowns first? Yeah. I love that. I love that, man. Right? Football analytics is the new rage, right? All about the metrics. <sighs> but, you know, sometimes the things that get my hair and my neck to stand up are like a quarterback carrying both the interceptions more than the touchdowns. I'm really high on, on Murray. I have Kyler Murray at quarterback seven. Don't forget, you had to remove Locke, too. We had to remove Locke, that's true. But, I mean, so, yeah, I'm sort of all in on him. I hate bringing that up. I didn't totally remove Luck, in fairness. I, I, I still have him ranked ahead of Joe Flacco. But just, <laughs> just a shot. Just a random shot of Joe Flacco. I think he unretires. I don't think he can stay away. The boredom is eventually going to overcome him. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see. I mean, I don't know. He strikes me as a thoughtful guy. I, I, I don't, it doesn't strike me as an impulsive move. Does, he strikes me as a thoughtful guy. And Yeah, maybe if he takes a year off and his, health, his body gets better and he misses it, but... It feels like, you know, I don't know. I, I wouldn't bank. I feel like there's a better shot that Gronk comes back. I think Gronk's coming back, too. 
I think Gronk's coming back. We all thought Jason Witten was definitely done. And even Jason Witten, who had a job. Yeah, he was my colleague for a year. Great job announcing games. And he was well past his prime. Even he came back. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think that, yeah, I will see. I mean, I think there's a, a lot of factors in terms of why Witten came back. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. You're more bullish on an Andrew Luck return than I am, but certainly would be great for the NFL to see him back. So I, I have two uh, content sites, right? And so rotopass.com, great site. So if anyone, um, if anyone uses the promo code UNDER, U-N-D-E-R, promo code UNDER, Gets you 10% off at rotopass.com. It's, you, know, you get a subscription to ESPN+. Plus. Football guys, RotoViz, uh, RotoWire, like, uh, Football Outsiders, uh, RosterWatch. You get many great sites, one low price. It's dirt cheap, gets you everything you need, customized ranks, and, you know, auction tools, draft software, incredible content, video analysis, and uh, deep dives, and terrific tools. I'm not doing it justice. Just check it out. Go to rotopass.com, click around a little bit, check it out. Uh, again, the promo code UNDER gets you 10% off. And if you play DFS, if you're a big DFS player, uh, we launched today, rotopassdaily.com. Same concept, but for DFS. So a bunch of great sites, including Numberball, with Jeff Collins, of course, Jeff L. Hefe, who I think is the best DFS player in the world. And so you get access to a bunch of uh, great tools, lineup builders, uh, raw data, uh, Jeff's projections and analysis, Jeff won over $2 million last year in DFS. I think he knows what he's doing. So anyway, rotopass.com and rotopassdaily.com. Again, the, the promo code UNDER will get you 10% off on rotopass.com. Get you out here on this. We mentioned the preseason risers and the snap counts that matter because that's the most important thing about preseason. Who's getting snaps with whom, right? James Conner getting all the snaps with Ben Roethlisberger. That matters, right? Correct. And... When you talk about players coming back, he's now multiple years removed from chemotherapy, from beating cancer. His body has been transformed. Throw out the workout metrics. 14 of 14 snaps with Ben Roethlisberger. He's a first-round pick, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think towards the end of the first round, but yes, 100%. The Terminator is a first-rounder, baby. The Terminator is a first-rounder, baby. <laughs> That's the show. There you go. Senior fantasy analyst. Can I just say head of all fantasy in the world? Uh, yeah, you can call me whatever you want. I mean, You legitimized being a fantasy analyst so that <laughs> no one rolls their eyes at me. That's awesome. I love to hear that. The talented Mr. Roto blazed the trail for someone like me to have my own stuff, my own brand, my own website. Like, that was sort of the, the blueprint. I appreciate that. That means a lot. Yeah, I mean, that site, and, you know, obviously means a great deal to me. And That was a big deal. Like, you, you, the guts to do that, I would like to think I would have, you know, come up with it out of fucking thin air. But having someone done it before, it's a sort of a proof of concept. I appreciate that. It was just, it was all sort of born out of kind of desperation. Mark Marin talks about that when he started his podcast. 
where he was like, you know, I had some projects fall through, so I just turned on my mic and I just started recording. I didn't totally remove Luck, in fairness. I, I, I still have him ranked ahead of Joe Flacco.